Talk Live. Welcome to the program. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up what you want. That's the point here of the program. And welcome to it tonight in the studio. You've got Ian. Bonnie. And Aria. And, of course, you can uh, bring up anything. But last night on the show, it was actually the three of us, same crew last night, and we ran out of time before we really got a chance to get into the story that you had brought in, Aria, about the latest victim or potential victim of so-called cancel culture. Yeah, surprisingly, it's William Shakespeare that they're trying to cancel now by removing him from, you know, high school curricula and stuff like that. Wow, from high school curricula. This is like a mainstay of high school curricula. Now, I got to say, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Shakespeare just because he's just so hard to read. Um, It's difficult. I remember trying, like, as an adult to actually read some Shakespeare probably within the last decade of my life. And if it hadn't been for, there was like a, I had like a plug-in for my browser, which you could just kind of click on a word and get a definition sort of pop up from the dictionary. Because there's okay. just so many words in there that I do not know. I feel so clueless and ignorant when I'm reading Shakespeare because he has a vocabulary or she, some people say Shakespeare might be a, a woman, uh, a tremendous vocabulary that I've just completely, it leaves me behind. And so I'm constantly checking. I'm not saying the stories are bad. I mean, you know, I've right. enjoyed the stories generally when I can understand them. Usually that's when they're made into a movie. Um, I'm with you on this. I prefer any movie made that's based off of Shakespeare's work or anything that's more contemporary because, you know, he's like Nietzsche. He's very difficult to read if you're not well-versed in the languages of of the the times. I only ever had to read some of it in high school and I remember hating it so much. Like Romeo and Juliet. But why did you hate it so much? I just thought it was so boring. We read Romeo and Juliet, and um, the thing that's 10 Things I Hate About You, it, it's based off of, mm-hmm. I forgot what it's called. I don't know. I don't either. Yeah, if but nobody I mean, were here, our co-host, he would, he'd probably know. He's, he's a, well-versed in Shakespeare. He can actually just like quote it. say, <laughs> yeah, quote the soliloquies or whatever, the monologues. He can. That's one of the things that makes Shakespeare difficult to read, in my opinion, is that, you know, they're all plays. These aren't novels right. or short stories or anything like that. It's plays, so you have to do extra imagination in order to understand what's going on because people are supposed to be moving and acting and stuff like that but all you get is the dialogue is the taming of the shrew that was the other one there you go i mean there have been a ton of movies that have either been directly made from shakespeare as close as possible to the original form and then others that have been made as far away as possible, just using the general story arc of, uh, of Shakespeare. So there's no doubt that Shakespeare's had a tremendous literary influence and beyond, which you would think he'd be untouchable by cancel culture because of that, because everybody has had some, whether they hated it or, or loved it, everybody has had Shakespeare in their life at some point. Yeah, he's probably the most influential writer in Western culture. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's what the issue is. But, you know, everyone who has come after Shakespeare by either because they were influenced by someone who was influenced by someone who was influenced by Shakespeare or because they were influenced directly by Shakespeare. Right. He's the most influential writer in Western culture. 
And of course, that's why don't, they don't like him, right? Because Western culture represents misogyny and sexism and classism mm. and racism and colonialism and all of these other isms that the left, the woke left, doesn't like. Right. And of course, uh, I don't know how many of his stories have to do with men fighting over women or whatever, but I mean, there's definitely some stereotyping as far as characters go, right? Yeah. And I would expect that from someone who was writing in like the 16th century. Right. Because you're writing to entertain crowds. You're writing to entertain just average folks. Yeah. Just like I don't expect, you know, the founding fathers of the United States to be hardcore Austrian economists, you know? Mm That's just not the world they lived in. They didn't have that knowledge then. Society hadn't progressed to that point. So I think we all have our critiques of Shakespeare, as I'm sure many people do. But that's it's not just your standard critiques that are leading to him being canceled. What are they saying about him? Well, this is from the New York Post. I had a different article from the Washington Post that Mm -hmm. was a bit better, but paywall. Mm. So we're going to the New York Post instead. It's not even worth mentioning them. Don't even mention them. Okay, fair point. Yeah. William Shakespeare, thou hast been getting canceled. An increasing number of woke teachers are refusing to study Shakespeare, accusing his classic works of promoting misogyny, racism, homophobia, classism, anti-Semitism, and misogyny. Jeez, I mean, that's that's basically everything that they that, hate. That's the well, whole... do they? Do they I... hate those things? No, do they promote those things? I couldn't tell you. Probably. I think The Taming of the Shrew had a Jewish stereotypical character in it. Hmm. And there's probably certainly some level of misogyny in class. Well, Taming of the Shrew was certainly misogynistic, but it was still funny. I mean, a lot of things are. (laughs) These people don't have a sense of humor. (laughs) That's true. And I think that's the real problem here is that people have forgotten how to laugh. Mm -hmm. A slew of English literature teachers told the school library journal how they were ditching the likes of Hamlet, Macbeth, and Romeo and Juliet to instead make room for modern, diverse, and inclusive voices. Oh, God. Shakespeare was a tool used to civilize black and brown people in England's empire, insisted Shakespeare caller Ayana Thompson, a professor at Arizona State University. Teachers also need to challenge the whiteness of the assumption that Shakespeare's works are universal, insisted Jeffrey Alston, who is head of a Michigan high school's English literature. Why are they asking a high school teacher what his opinion is on this complicated subject? Because he's banning Shakespeare, I presume. Presumably. Former Washington State public school teacher told SLJ, it doesn't specify who that is, that she banished Shakespeare from her classroom to, quote, Salt Lake Journal? No, Salt. I don't know what that means. I don't know Salt Lake Journal? It doesn't specify, I don't think. Anyway. That she banned Shakespeare to stray from centering, to stray from centering the narrative of white, cisgender, heterosexual men. Wow. Eliminating Shakespeare was a step I could easily take to work toward that, and it proved worthwhile for my students. Others said that they were sticking with Shakespeare, but reframing his works through a more modern lens, reinterpreting it, so to speak. Or telling all the class how he's so wrong, but yet he's still important. Oh, you're absolutely right. Sarah Gross, an English teacher at High Technology High School in Lincroft, New Jersey, says she was teaching Romeo and Juliet, quote, with a side of toxic masculinity analysis. <laughs> in her article, To Teach or Not to Teach, librarian Amanda McGregor acknowledged Shakespeare as a genius wordsmith responsible for masterful wordplay, creative use of language, biting wit, puns, and innovative characters. Still, she understood why so many of the teachers were grappling. But why, oh why, didn't he make any of his characters trans? <laughs> <laughs> It's a fair maybe, question. They maybe been... it's because the king would have killed him or something, right? Like or, th- yeah. this guy was trying to, or whoever it was, was trying to appeal 
not only to mass amounts of people, right? You didn't have in the, what was it? When was he? 1500s or something? I think like it was the 1500s. You know, you didn't have the ability to just put something out there on the internet and have a niche audience come right. to you, right? Like you were putting on plays for the lowest common denominator. And at the same time, you also probably didn't want to upset the king because he could have you, you know, your head could be chopped off. Well, I mean, he wouldn't include a trans character because a trans character in the 16th century would have been put to death. That's what I'm and saying. That would have been the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this person's trans. Oh, they were executed. They probably would have executed them just for having a trans character in the story also and true. executed any actors who were trying to play a trans character in the story. Yeah, Didn't men play women back then? They did. They did. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if they would have cast. I wonder if it's. Does, I don't. Would that make them trans? Then? <laughs> That's a good. No, it's just acting. See. Okay, so that they were drag queens or yes. drag drag yes. kings. <laughs> no, drag queens would be right. Shakespeare's works are full of problematic, outdated ideas with plenty of misogyny, racism, homophobia, classism. That's what makes it interesting. <laughs> I don't know. If that's what makes it know, interesting, but the stuff is still interesting. Yeah. That's pretty much the end of the article. They they just go on a little bit yeah. more with the final word meaning misogyny. Oh, misogynoir. It, they keep saying uh-huh. that, and I just interpreted it as being misogyny. But what it, is misogynoir? It's misogyny aimed at black women. Oh, noir as in black. Oh, okay, as in dark. Okay. okay. I wouldn't have called that if they hadn't pointed out. Why not just misogyny then? Is is misogyny worse if you're if you're black instead of white? Uh, if you want to weigh in, you're welcome to join us here. 603-283-6160. If they can come after Shakespeare, no one is safe. This is Free Talk Live. 603-283-6160. You can join us. Talk live. Join us here if you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, you've got Ian. Bonnie. And Aria. And also want to say thank you to Bitcoin.com. That is where you can go to learn about Bitcoin, learn about cryptocurrency. And, well... Congratulations. Bitcoin has hit over $52,000 now. I mean, it's almost not even worth noting unless it goes up another 10000 because it's like 1000 a day, 5000 a day. I mean, it's just, it's all over the place, but it's going up, up, up. And the amount that it goes up is just, it's dramatic at this point. I remember complaining, when, I don't know if complaining is the right word, but remarking on Twitter a month and a half ago, maybe, that mm-hmm. I was sick of being, seeing people declaring all-time highs for Bitcoin because it was just going to keep happening every, every single day. day. And yeah, sure, we still have those people doing it every yep. single day. I guess it's good because different news sources are doing it. Oh, well, look, it hit 52. Yeah, I, I heard, uh, I think it was Mandrick uh, on Twitter, he was saying that uh, people should be preparing their 56K modem uh, for when we hit $56,000. <laughs> You know, like AOL graphics and things like that, 56K modem memes for uh, Bitcoin hitting that. Go to Bitcoin.com. You can learn more. There's a Get Started button right at the top of the page. It's not too late for you to learn about this stuff. Not at this rate. We're just outside of the first decade of Bitcoin, okay? So, I mean, think about how long gold and silver have been around and considered as money. 
Think about how long some other forms of money have been in existence. I mean, things like credit cards or checks. Bitcoin is, and cryptocurrency in general, is not going to go away. This stuff is going to stay with us. I mean, I, I, I don't like making predictions, but I think that one's a pretty safe prediction to make. I'm not going to tell you which one is going to win because we don't know. And anybody that tells you that they know is probably a cult member. They're pro- or they're trying to sell you their new crap coin. Right. Uh, so go to Bitcoin.com. You can get started there. Learn about Bitcoin BTC. Learn about Bitcoin Cash and crypto in general. And if you're not new to crypto, then you want the latest news headlines, I'm sure. Go to news.bitcoin.com and they'll give them to you there. That's news.bitcoin.com. Uh, so you can bring up what you want here. Coming up, <sighs> this headline. <laughs> I'm just going to read this headline. Quote, it just symbolizes everything. Unquote. Biden's bring presidential PDA back to the White House. Historians and relationship experts agree the first couple's romantic gestures aren't just genuine, they're restorative. So when they say PDA, PDA what do they mean? Are the Biden's Public like, display of affection. I'm aware of that, that but means. I mean, are they like holding hands? Are they making out? Are they groping each other? There's degrees of PDA, and some of them I'm comfortable with watching old people do, some of them yeah. I'm not. Well, I mean, I by no means do I pay close attention to politicians and what they do in general, so I'm certainly not watching generally long enough whatever it is that they're doing to see them touch one another or whatever. And, you know, I'm fine with public di- displays of affection. I don't doesn't bother me in the least. I think that's great that people are able to and comfortable with uh showing affection in public. However, when it comes to politicians, I find it all to be very hollow. And very because they're sociopaths and are therefore not really capable of genuine love. It's also weird because they're like they know they're being watched by cameras and stuff like that's just kind of weird. That's yeah, I'd say you nailed it there, Aria. That they these people are sick, and so anything that they're doing like this is probably an act, you know, to make themselves seem like they're more normal, like they're more like the rest of us. Which is a lot of what they do before an election as well. Right. Um, Vincent did a good job uh, of playing this because we don't pay close attention to politicians at all on this show. But former co-host uh, Vincent uh, Freeman of ShireFreeMedia.com or Vincent Moore, whatever he's going by now. Um, he's got a show that he does on DLive at Shire Free Media there. And he played during the election and after the fact, he's been playing a lot of clips of these politicians. And there's a lot of stuff like, oh, Kamala Harris, what's your favorite ice cream? And then, you know, she'll talk about her favorite ice cream. And, you know, uh, Joe Biden's there with his grandkids. They're all having ice cream together. And it's like, oh, look, look how human these people are. These people are just like you. Did you see the one of Biden at Camp David playing Mario Kart against his granddaughter? No, I missed that one. Evidently, he won. Oh, so yeah. I think the whole thing is suspicious. It's a setup. Yeah, this yeah. Not, this 80-year-old man beat this 9-year-old uh-huh. at Mario Kart? I don't buy it. Sorry. Yeah, I don't buy it for a second. That's probably his first time ever playing the game. Did they have the bumper tracks on where, you know, you put them on Rainbow Road and let's see what happens. Right. And on Wii, it's hard. It's extra hard on Wii. Was it on a Wii? They were playing one of the arcade ones that was made specifically for arcade. I think it was made uh, okay. about the Wii era. So let me just start into this here from Politico.com. It's hard to believe this is even a news story, but this is how, you know loving the media is towards these democrats as compared to say trump on a mission to rebuild institutional norms and help heal a hurting nation joe and jill biden are trying something novel after four years of the trumps a little tenderness 
Since Inauguration Day last month, the first couple have been conspicuous in their frequent public displays of affection, from a fleeting kiss before boarding Marine One to a cozy morning stroll among oversized candy hearts on the White House North Lawn. Oh, that's disgusting. I mean, it's disgusting because of how they're fawning over it. Oh, yes. This this is a we're not going to read this whole article. I'm just going to give you a taste of how bad this is, and then we're, we're going to discuss it uh, because it just goes on and on. It goes down to like the history of politicians uh, touching. If you scroll even not even a quarter of the way down the page, there's a full frame, full screen photo of Al Gore uh, kissing his wife. Oh, I thought that that was Bill Clinton from over here and Hillary. I was like, I have never before seen that. Yeah, basically the same thing. I mean, it was his vice president. Um, <laughs> But uh, so going on. So the Bidens are spending their weekend at Camp David with family are representative not only of their resilient 43 year marriage, but also of the new president's self-proclaimed tactile style of interpersonal communication. And although Joe and Jill Biden. What the hell does that mean? Tactile, tactile means to touch, you know, something okay. you can touch. Uh, we know Is that Joe, what they're calling his touchiness? That's what I'm saying. We, <laughs> right, we know Joe loves to touch. Little I mean, girls. Yeah, there, there's a lot of video, and I believe the website's still up. In fact, we were wondering about this the other day. JoeBiden.info. So if you haven't seen this, yep, it's still there. Uh, yeah, the headline at uh, JoeBiden.info. Joe Biden is back to take a hands-on approach to America's <laughs> problems. And hands-on can, indeed. And then you can watch him make some very inappropriate uh, moves on some very young girls. Um, but uh, back to the story here from Politico. And although Joe and Jill Biden's shows of warmth are just the latest in a long history of presidential PDA, they're even more pronounced in contrast to Donald and Melania Trump, whose sometimes chilly public interactions shattered the steady cultural progression of first couples growing increasingly comfortable expressing affection in front of the cameras. Well, she was a supermodel. That's what they do. They look angry and walk straight i mean there's also the fact that she married trump for money and he married her because she's a supermodel who would sleep with him in exchange for some of that money so there wasn't a whole lot of love there in the first place but he certainly could have paid her a few extra hundred bucks a month for a couple of kisses on the cheek for the cameras or something six so it wouldn't matter anyway because they would still get hazed by the media uh 603-283-6160 are you impressed by politicians showing affection for one another does that actually do something for you this is free talk live bitcoin.com is the best source for learning about cryptocurrency go there now click on get started at the top of the page once you do that you'll find a cornucopia of information neatly organized for your needs if you're a knowledgeable crypto user check out news.bitcoin.com where you can get the latest headlines bitcoin.com is your source for buying cryptocurrency getting a wallet app mining trading and all the latest cryptocurrency news all on a slick and easy to use website all put together by the best minds in the business to teach you about cryptocurrency bitcoin.com Talk live. And the number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, you've got Ian. Bonnie. And Aria. We're talking about the disgusting topic. I mean, we 
I don't I don't try to gross my audience out. I really don't. So I want to apologize for this this topic. Uh, it is about politicians, and that alone would be bad enough. <laughs> but politicians actually kissing one another and acting as though they have any kind of human uh, tendencies or desires or you know needs or whatever. Well, like Mark Zuckerberg pretending not to be an android, they have to pretend to be normal <laughs> human beings. <laughs> And some of us see through it. We say, hey, no, you're a sociopath. You don't actually love your wife because you're not capable of love right. by definition. But not everybody sees them as that. Oh, uh, speaking of uh, not being capable of love, did you hear that the Bidens were like cheating on Jill Biden's previous husband? I did not. Yeah, that was that was some scuttlebutt that apparently uh, came out around. I think it was shortly after he actually got elected. Somebody who was the previous husband of jill biden said that i guess it was biden jill biden or whoever whatever her original name was was cheating on him with joe biden oh that's yeah. that's not good publicity man it doesn't matter he's president that's true <laughs> so I, I mean i guess she made the right choice her ex-husband isn't president good point <laughs> that's not exactly a loving way to look at things but but it's, but it's like don't think for a moment that just because biden is uh the president that that doesn't mean his wife isn't as unfeeling and psychopathic as he ah good right? point yeah uh so if you want to join us here 603-283-6160 but the interesting thing is the left-wing media falls for this stuff hook line and sinker the, this whole article about by politico.com is just it just lavishes these people with praise over this oh well, sure. He's a he's a Democrat. Right. Oh, and he's doing something that they love. It symbolizes everything. Suggesting the, the suggestion there is that Biden is somehow and and what really shocked me was when Penn Gillette, the supposed libertarian who apparently decided he was going to become a Democrat last year during the uh, presidential campaign. Penn Gillette was saying that he thought that Joe Biden was going to love love us, which would be and he needed him to. What's that? Did he use the word need? Yeah. We Sorry. need you to love us or something like that. It's like, I this mean, isn't your daddy. Okay. And there literally are people who think that about these politicians. Have you seen any of those posts? I have not, but I know these people exist. They I mean, do. the entire United States government has set it up as a sort of parental figure mm -hmm. telling us what we can and can't do. Even well, that's progressing. what parents do, right? right. They govern. And it's progressing to the point of creating an allowance for us in the form of a UBI. That's right. So, I mean, it has all the hallmarks of being a parent. The weird thing about this to me, this article, is I just remember right when Obama and Joe Biden left office last time, there were all these memes that were so funny that were about Joe Biden not understanding what was going on and he was just, like, so old and just, like, he didn't understand anything. Why are we suddenly, like, happy to see him kissing his wife and all this stuff? Like, that's creepy. Like, the, the I remember whole... the memes you're talking about. They were pretty good. And now he's four years older. <laughs> So if he was if he was a clueless, you know, elderly man at age 74, he's now what 78 or something like that. And everybody was laughing at those memes. It wasn't just like Even the lefties were? Republicans laughing at those huh. memes. Yeah. It was like nobody thought that Joe Biden was cool at the beginning or before he got nominated as the candidate last year. Let me go to the phones here. We got Scott. He's on the line. He is Scott the Bigot and you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Good evening, uh, Ian, Bonnie, Aria. How are you this evening? Good. How do you feel about these politicians kissing on each other? Uh, Ian, politicians are scum. Uh, I could sugarcoat it for you and say 
I don't like them or whatever. But if I'm not going to be honest, frank with you, why waste my time or your time Indeed. or your listeners' time? They're garbage. They're scum. Everything I'm more curious how you feel about being is, called Scott the Bigot. Uh, he it's true. It. I am. You know, I, I am a bigot. And, and uh, you might as well call a spade a spade. Uh, why be a hypocrite about it? I, I, I'm an equal opportunity hater, Ian. I hate everyone. Well, I mean, that's not really bigotry. No, I mean, he has said that he doesn't hate the uh, white Protestant males. I mean, are you now hating the white Protestant males? Because you no, had said, I, 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 I like out of all the people, uh, I'm Jewish. I told you that. I wish that I could have been a wasp, a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, but it wasn't in the cards for me. But to answer your question, uh, no, I'm not. Far. I, 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 I don't. Uh, I don't like Jews. I don't like blacks. I don't like Hispanics. I would like uh, Protestants, and but people, as I find it, forget their religion or race. Most people, as a whole, as a whole, are basically no good. Of course, there are going to be people that are good, decent. I didn't say, but the majority. See, I hold a very nature. different viewpoint as you, Scott. I tend to believe that people are good by nature, and that includes all people. Now, there are some exceptions, like politicians, for instance. They're not very good. Uh, people, no in, people in search of power. And it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what religion no. you are or what part of the world you were born or what the genitals are between your legs. Uh, what matters is whether you want to use violence against your neighbor, whether you think it's okay to tell other people how to live. And if that's how you believe, then you and I aren't going to get along. But I don't I prejudge somebody based on their religion or based on their, uh, you know, circumstances of their birth. And you do. I didn't know that you didn't like other people. I mean, other races. Sky. I thought that you only didn't like Jews. So wh- why don't you like blacks if they're not um, in some kind of cabal to take over the United States or whatever? That's true. He does talk almost exclusively about yeah. the Jewish conspiracy. OK, go ahead, Scott. To answer your question, uh, uh, blacks, uh, Hispanics, uh, they uh, they run counterproductive to America. In other words, like a drag on the system. But the biggest drag of all is, as I've said in the past, is Wall Street. There's corporate greed. There's welfare greed. There are people that are a drag on welfare. But you want to know something? If you were to take all the people on welfare and you would take all the people that have stolen trillions from Wall Street, uh, incompetence in U.S. government, money going overseas, being squandered. I think you would find that the, the scales tipped. Uh, I, I think that people on welfare, whatever, would come out a lot less than what you would find on the other end of the spectrum. Scott, what do you mean but, about uh, people stealing from Wall Street? Say that again? What do you mean about people stealing from Wall Street? It's very apparent, uh, Aria. Uh, let's look at Jamie Dimon or let's look at uh, Lloyd Blankfein or Goldman Sachs. Uh, Bernie, uh, not Bernie Sanders. He uh, only mentions the uh, Jewish people on Wall Street, as though no one else <laughs> is on Wall Street taking advantage of anyone. Well, that's he's saying well, people me, are stealing from Wall Street. Name. As in my experience, Wall Street is by far the biggest thief in the United States. I agree. Besides the government, you mean? Right. Then what do you care about people stealing from Wall Street? They're thieves no, no, anyway. No, you don't get what I mean. No, I, I, when I mean stealing from people on Wall Street. Stealing from the American people, for example, uh, if you've got Jamie Dimon right now that is suppressing, deliberately suppressing the price of precious metals, that is hurting the average person because gold should be $10,000 an ounce. By doing that, he wants to crash the dollar, uh, and he's, he's 
jeopardizing the currency. If the U.S. dollar crashes and it's very, it's on its way out, uh, you're going to see a full-blown depression in this country. You're going to see a revolution in this country. And that's why I hate Wall Street. I hate the United States government. I really would love to see the whole system crash and burn. And I do think that the American people, the masses, the great unwashed, as they call them, uh, I believe there's only so much they're going to be willing to take. And I do believe that we are headed toward an insurrection of some sort in this country. It's inevitable. So when you say the American people, you mean people of all races, sexual identities, gender identities? Everyone. Everyone. Because out of the two, between blacks and Hispanics uh, and, 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 and greedy uh, uh, Wall Street uh, and a lot of it, not all, but a lot of it, Jewish bankers, I take the side of the masses because they're the lesser of the two evils. The masses includes, uh, you know, Mexicans and blacks. Yeah, by the way, uh, there's plenty of people, Mexicans, blacks alike. They're some of the hardest working folks out there. And there's also lazy people who are white. There's lazy people who are uh, black and Hispanic. I mean, to just judge people based on the color of their skin, it's ridiculous. Thank you, though, Scott, for the call tonight. There's more coming up. It is Free Talk Live. talking about public displays of affection, which I'm fine with, okay? Doesn't bother me to see somebody kissing somebody they care about, holding hands, whatever. It does I don't care. I understand some people feel strongly about that. I, I don't understand that. Well, like prudes, I guess. Yeah, they must be really prudish. I don't mind uh, public displays of affection. I mind public virtue signaling of being a human being. And, and that's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, that's what these are. That, I, I don't believe Joe Biden is capable of affection toward anyone who is over the age of 10. I think there's a point where public displays of affection are gross. Like if you're just getting, if you're like straight up making out and like getting super nasty with it, then I might be like, what are they doing? Yeah, I mean, there is a certain, I think, line where it's like, okay, guys, get a room. You know, like <laughs> if you're going to want to sure. actually like have sex publicly, yeah, there's probably some people that are going to find that a little bit too much. Uh, but, you know, a kiss here and there, holding hands, no big deal. Personally, I don't think I would find it to be a bit too much for people to just be like having sex out in the streets. To be, I, I realize everyone out there is surprised to hear me say that. But, I mean, we're just animals, just like sure. dogs and cats and any of the other great apes. And no one bats an eye about two gorillas just going at it yeah. right in plain it view of everyone. Make, it wouldn't make me angry if I saw it. I'd be like, oh my. Yeah, that's about you how know. I I would be surprised yeah. to see it. I remember when I lived in Utah, there was a couple that had sex on their front porch and they, really? were, they lived by a bus stop and it was like not caught. So that way, like they didn't get in like legal trouble, but the police came and questioned them later. But like, there was like people stop? that saw them. Like a city school? bus or a school bus? School. <laughs> it was like talk, but they were like crackheads. So that's probably why. Wow. Yeah. I mean, again, it doesn't offend me. It's just like, okay, well, you know. Get a room kind of thing. But that's really the only, that's really my only response to that. But when politicians do it, now I'm offended. Now, because, you know, it's like these people are not loving people. They are criminals. They're gangsters. They're warlords. Yeah. These are people who are willing to use violence against their neighbors. Now, Biden himself won't raise the club to to swing it and hit somebody. Because he's a coward. Right. But he's got men who have guns and clubs and tasers and bombs and tanks and, you know, fill in a blank, 
whatever kind of terrifying weapons you want to talk about. He's got all kinds of men and women that will do his bidding. And so is Trump and all the rest of them. So I'm, this isn't just picking on Biden. He's just the current head of the gang. And so to believe that this gang member who considers so little about the lives of other human beings, that they're just a tool for him. They're a tool to be used and exterminated and utilized in whatever way he sees fit and his other associates. And to express any kind of emotion or any kind of love towards somebody, it just strikes me as fake. But these people in Politico.com are eating it up. They go on here saying, Spokespeople for the first family did not immediately return a request for comment on how the Bidens handle the public projection of their relationship and what message, if any, they work to deliver with their interactions. Now, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. If you see a couple that's routinely like holding hands and taking walks together and kissing each other, it's pretty obvious what message they're trying to display. One of being people who are in love. Indeed. But most people, I, I don't know what most people think, but it would seem to me that if you're engaging in a public display of affection, that you haven't really thought out in advance what kind of message you're wanting to express with that. You know, like usually it's like, oh, I'd like to hold this person's hand as we walk somewhere. It's not True. some sort of it's not some sort of uh, telegraphed plotted you know political uh you know ex- event ex- exhibition or event yeah it's like you know we didn't have to sit down and think about what other people would think and what what message are we trying to send when we decide we want to you know kiss or touch or what it's ridiculous but that just does you know that suggests that there's a lot more to this it than- suggests that it's not affection it's them attempting to portray a particular public image yeah. because you're absolutely right if i kiss a girl in public or something like that it's not because i'm worried about the displaying a message to no. people it's uh, something in the moment between you and the person you're interested it's because in. i want to message give the other person a message right. by holding their hand or whatever right you shouldn't really even think about oh my god what will the neighbors think Oh, my God, what will the strangers who are passing by on the street think? If that's what you're worried, if you're thinking about those things when you're engaging in affection with another person, you're in the wrong mindset, I think. I would Um, agree. Dr. Laura Brown, director of the Graduate School of Political Management at George Washington University, has described the Trumps as famously cool, citing the several times the former first lady appeared to yank her hand away from her husband in public. The Bidens, by contrast, quote, quote, want very much to help the country back from what I think the Trump administration continually conveyed, which was that relationships and all of the presidency is transactional rather than transformational. Huh? Uh, what the hell was the, what does that even mean? Who needs the presidents to display what relationships should be like for them? Like, that's just so weird. I think that what they mean is that everything for Donald Trump was was a deal, was a bargain, was a this is what I'm giving, this is what I'm getting back sort mm-hmm. of thing. And I mean, that's how him and his wife hooked up in the first place. Hey, you're a supermodel. I want to be married to a supermodel. Yep. I have lots of money. It's a give and take sort of thing. It's not an even ground. You know, we're just doing this because we're two people who love each other. Everything with Trump was a matter of let's make a deal. Fine. I think that's what the author is getting at. By using the term transactional? Yes. But then to use the term transformational. Well, to that, apply. that's just left wing silliness, <laughs> <Right>. though. <laughs> I think the grossest thing about this is just that we already know that Joe Biden isn't like a sweet old man who only loves his wife and only mm-hmm. has eyes for his wife. If you go to joebiden.info, you'll see that he would cheat on her with a child if he had the chance. 
She's probably standing nearby. I mean, I looking at these videos of JoeBiden.info, I'm not, I don't have them in front of me now, but we've seen them in the past. You know, he's usually there with like some other Democrat person. They're usually at some kind of like Senate confirmation hearing or whatever. It's usually a political event of some sort. And or then, a fundraiser or something. Yeah, and they'll have like groups they'll have people fam like a family come up and it's like the the guy who they're there to celebrate or whatever and he's got his family there and of course they have to take a picture with joe biden so it's not like his wife isn't around okay it's not like she doesn't doesn't know well she's a cheater she probably doesn't care what he's doing and she's probably off with her young men that she pays or that's probably true yeah, she so you think she would tell him at some point, hey, it's not appropriate to keep pulling down, that six-year-old towards you in that <laughs> creepy manner. Get your hand off her breast. What's wrong with you? Apparently, either she hasn't said anything or he doesn't care. It's one probably that other. he doesn't care. Yeah. I mean, he was one of the most powerful, most influential people in the world before he became he is, president. Yeah, the president. Uh, the quote, the, or the uh, Brown argued, again, this is the doc, they talked to a doctor, a president's bearing and rhetoric are like background music to the country. Brown argued. And I, no, they're not. They're these two psychopaths who are doing stuff that everyone else thinks is important. Yeah. How many people? I mean, look, this is just ridiculous to believe that people in America actually care about what the president does with his wife. I mean, most people don't even know who the vice president is, right? There's a ton of people out there who have no idea. If they know who the vice president is, guarantee you they don't know who their senator is or the representatives are in their area i couldn't name them all and i'm on talk radio i couldn't name them i don't know any of them right well you just moved to new hampshire but you know <laughs> i didn't know and i knew less in texas actually because i know matt santos also he's a state representative uh, well see. <laughs> I, I meant like the even the federal ones right like oh. most people don't pay any attention they're too busy in their lives people have actual families and loved ones to take care of it's harder now than it's ever been to get your bills paid and you know keep the heat on etc it's not easy to make ends meet thanks to all of the government shutdowns and the government money printing and so on right people have all kinds of things on their mind that they need to deal with in their lives and then at the end of the day they don't want to sit there and watch a couple of old people and i Avoided using a profanity there. Uh, a couple of old people, politicians, touching each other. That's like the least interesting. They want to sit down and watch TV. They want to watch the football game. You, you said know? this article is from Politico? Yes. I'm suddenly curious because I haven't really thought about it that light. Does Politico really think that your average middle class person is really sitting there not kissing his wife because Trump was not kissing his wife? And now, pretty- now Biden is... Show, oh, Biden has reminded the United States that it's okay it's to okay. not smack your wife with a frying pan. <laughs> right. What is it that Politico think is going on I here? I don't know, but these political people live in their own universe. They don't understand that almost no one cares. Look, we're on talk radio, right? And talk radio, if it's your life, it's easy to think that that's what everyone thinks about. In the same way that there's people who are on the internet constantly that forget there are people who don't care about the internet. There really are people out there that do not have a smartphone and they don't go online all night, all day or whatever. They don't. There's a whole bunch of other people out there. And uh, the talk radio listening audience is large, but it's not as large as all of the music radio listening audience put together. Right? There's a whole lot more people out there that don't want to hear what's going on in the world. There's more coming up. Uh, this is Free Talk Live, our Tuesday. 
Carl Watner, longtime proponent of a voluntary society, died last December. You may have seen his articles published on his website, voluntarius.com, in his newsletter, The Voluntarist, the Mises Institute, or elsewhere over the last 40 years. His newest book, I Must Speak Out, Volume 2, The Best of the Voluntarist, is now available via Liberty Under Attack Publications. This 430-page second volume spans the years of 2000 through 2020 and includes articles by Carl Watner, Hans Hermann Hoppe, Carl Hess, Benjamin Tucker, George H. Smith, Lysander Spooner, Pete Ayer, Joyce Brand, and many others. I Must Speak Out is for the newly initiated, the veteran voluntarist, or anywhere in between. Buy the book now at libertyunderattack.com slash voluntarist. For more great content on building a voluntary society and for Carl's extensive archives, check out voluntarist.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you can join us here at the number 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, you've got Ian, Bonnie, and Aria. We've been talking about one of the most detestable subjects that I have uh, brought up on this show in recent memory, and it is politicians playing like they actually care about each other. Specifically, uh, Joe and Jill Biden, they're getting the coverage here at uh, Politico.com in an article that just lavishes them with praise, saying, it just symbolizes everything. As though Joe and Jill Biden hugging or touching one another is symbolic of... uh, Everything. Yeah, when they say everything, what do they mean? It symbolizes what exactly? Well, Uh, when I say like you're everything to me, oh, when I say like you're everything to me, I just mean like you're awesome. Yeah, I think in this case, what they're saying, and maybe we'll get to the actual quote. Maybe they use this everything quote somewhere here in this story. Let me see if I can find it. Um, But I think what they're saying, okay, here's the here's the longer quote. This is from, uh, let's see, who is this guy? Perry. Perry, Perry, it's a long article. Barbara Perry, the director, doctor. This is a long article from Politico about Biden and his wife kissing each other occasionally. Not just them, but going back in time and looking at public displays of affection by presidents uh, as well. Dr. Barbara Perry, director of the Presidential Studies at the University of Virginia's Miller Center, Uh, She says casual displays of affection weren't always so commonplace for first couples, according to Dr. Barbara Perry. And then after paragraphs and paragraphs uh, of this, getting back to the current two, in that sense, the Bidens' displays of affection appear somewhat foreign after the last four years, even though they represent yet another return to the norms of past administrations that the new president repeatedly pledged to rehabilitate on the campaign trail. She said... It's comforting. It's warm. It's genuine. And so if you layer and so if you layer the COVID issue, our divided country, and the violence in our country upon the contrast with the Trumps, it just symbolizes everything. So I'm confused. Um I never noticed the fact that Trump and Melania isn't that his wife? Yeah. I never noticed that they didn't kiss or hold hands or whatever. I never noticed either, but I don't pay attention to politicians. 
So, you know, and even I'm not if, watching them long enough to see a time at which they would normally do something like that. I wouldn't either. And even if I did happen to notice it, I would write it off as, oh, yeah, it's a billionaire and his trophy wife. Right. I, I don't know why this would surprise anyone that they didn't show each other a lot of affection. I want to go to Joe. He's on the line in Michigan. Joe, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I remember back in the day when Bill Clinton got caught doing uh, what he did with Monica. Um, him and Hillary went on some kind of retreat or vacation or something, and there were all these photographs came out. I don't know. I can't remember if it was what magazine it was or newspaper, but all these photographs came out of them, like, holding hands, walking down the beach, dancing, and they tried to make it look like it was, like, some just random person walked by with a camera or something, you know, something like that. And it turned out it was off stage. There wasn't even any music, any plan. They were pretending uh. <laughs> like they were dancing. And these politicians, man, they rehearse everything. Everything is staged. They do, they do uh, focus groups to find out what phrases to use in their speeches. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, even like Joe Biden's campaign rallies, they would put the cameras up close to make it look like he was actually giving a real speech in front of a crowd. There'd be like 30 people there. Right. I mean, it's don't believe the hype, man. You know, the media, what's going on right now. And I mean, it's, they're really poor. The news media is really, I mean, you know, what's your favorite? Oh, he likes dogs. What's your favorite ice cream? All this crap. Like, come on. Bush yeah, Jr. Oh, I, and his wife were pretty touchy-feely, weren't they? Yeah, well, they're saying here that, you know, again, this a lot of this article is going back actually into the history of other presidents. And, That's what I'm thinking. Clint, the Clintons weren't. Well, he's saying that they were. Well, he was saying just the one well, time to well, the, make the up The one for time them. after Monica Lewinsky. But oh. in general, I don't recall ever seeing Bill and Hillary, like, standing within six feet of each other. M- me either. That's why I was saying when I saw the Al Gore picture from over here and I thought it was Bill Clinton and Hillary, I was like, you were what? Surprised. Okay. Yeah, Al Gore turned out to be a freaking perv too, but... Uh, of course these people are. I mean, uh, look, they're, yeah. they're sociopaths who crave power over others. That and perversion run hand in hand. Absolutely. If you've um, ever yep, been a president, yep. then you've killed people, so you're probably a sociopath. Drew, or psychopath, uh, Drew Joseph, a Washington-based couples therapist who's practiced for nearly three decades, similarly interpreted the Biden's doting exchanges as, quote, very welcome signals in 2021. Whether the Bidens know it or not, their public closeness, says Politico, also, quote, communicates tremendous confidence in the face of crisis, he said. I mean, just the, the amount that they're extracting out of this is just absolutely ridiculous. The idea that, oh, he's kissing his wife in public, so therefore he knows how to handle a crisis and he's not going to crack under pressure? I mean, grab the nearest <laughs> person and start making out and having sex seems like what people who panic do in a crisis. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Joe, anything else you want to share? Go ahead. Oh, no, just, uh, you know, I'm just... The media is really laying it on thick for Biden. They're they, they're pulling out all these stops. Oh, yeah. You know, she left her first husband for him, and That's right. you know, they've been uh, married forever. He says you know, the I mean, first husband says he was cheated on by her for Joe Biden. Yeah, with with Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's that's been Joe Biden. I mean, I love a good it's the radio. Story so I'm gonna be. I have you guys have a good one. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, man number here 603-283-6160 the uh couples therapist said pdas from leaders like joe biden is really important 
in its own right, he said, because it demonstrates the attributes of strength and sensitivity aren't mutually exclusive. Quote, we all need to feel this is a person who has the capacity and the will to protect us. And they're also a human being and they understand and they're not afraid of the vulnerabilities and the needs that we all feel. It's nice that they're acknowledging that we all feel needs to have human contact with other people, given that they just spent a year brainwashing people about how you know you need to avoid other people at all costs. Yeah. And suddenly they're like, oh, no, this is good. I mean, there's, they're proving that people need contact with one another. And it just pumps up the whole idea that the president is your protector, that the mm, president is... And, and this isn't a Joe Biden thing. It's something that Obama has said. It's something that George Bush uh, has said. And they get behind their podiums and they say, my job as president is to protect the American people. And they've said that time and time again. And that's not actually their job. They're also not doing a very good job of that. Well, yeah. I mean, in a variety of different ways. I mean, they're sending the American people off to die in foreign lands. They're putting the American people in prison cells for having plants and chemicals uh, at large numbers, locking people like Ross Ulbricht up for, you know, two lifetime sentences who never he's never harmed another human being. Uh, they're destroying people's wealth by printing out trillions of dollars in a one year time frame like we saw in 2020. I mean, there's just no end. To the amount of ravaging that they will do to the American people. To say nothing of creating terrorists that are going to ultimately target the American people. Training those terrorists at that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, to anybody that's being fooled by this, shame on you. If somebody, if these sickos, these politicians can fool you by showing a little bit of public affection and make you think that they are somehow good people, that they are somehow worthy of your appreciation or worthy of your, you know, uh, worship or whatever. Worship is the yeah. word I would use. And if it's just because you, th- you think Trump was way worse than this president, well, I don't know why you can't see that two people are bad. Well, that's a great point. It's because they don't want to see, Bonnie. I mean, if you look at, uh, there, there was another interesting story I had recently, and I don't have it in front of me, but it was pointing out that, oh, guess what? Joe Biden is also separating families. It's Reason.com. I've got it right here. Biden is still separating families at the border. Where's the media outrage? People thought that things were going to change under Joe Biden? I no. hope they didn't, because they were never going to. No, of course they weren't. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. It's just that the media doesn't pay attention to it when Joe Biden does the exact same thing that Donald Trump does. So people think that things have somehow gotten better. Nothing's changed. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live and the number if you want to join us, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. Bonnie. And Aria. And, of course, you can bring up anything that happens to be on your mind. We're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts in just a moment. But I also want to let you know about Freedoms Phoenix. That's Freedoms with an S. 
phoenix.com, a liberty-oriented news aggregation site. If you want the newest and freshest stories and perspectives on current events from those who value liberty, freedomsphoenix.com has them. Their daily dispatch is the best way to stay up to date on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, government overspending, and the rise of the police state. It's freedoms with an S, phoenix.com. That's freedomsphoenix.com. We're going to go to your calls and thoughts. We got Bill. He's on the line in California. Bill, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, yeah. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I uh, I don't want to sound comical or dreadful, but, you know, I... I <laughs> Let me see if I can put this in a in a nutshell. I have a lot to say, and I don't want to complicate it all with jargon. Okay. You know, I, I ask myself, uh, what would what would Captain Kirk or what would John Lennon or Yoko say about this? You know, I I think to myself, hey, you know, where's the logic? Where's the sense? Is this uh, something that may stop this forbidding uh, enclosure here? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when I watch Biden. And his wife yesterday on the news, I thought to myself, my God, uh, it's like I told you, it was definitely not a John and Yoko moment. I really thought it was sick. It really. What did they do? I'm sorry. Sick. I don't know. What did they do on the news the other day? Well, okay. yeah, I was watching. What was I watching? I don't know what I was watching. See, uh, the CNN or something. They were saying something about uh, how their love is going to save the world. And, <laughs> and thinking, were they really? Like, you know. Oh, yeah, it was. It was awful, man. It was. It was like mind altering. We're gonna drop love uh, bombs on the Middle East and save the world. Yeah, that's yeah, a lot different I mean, than make love not war. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, especially what he said today. I when I caught the first thing I got home from my running around here, my daily activities, he's talking about how he doesn't care about the Uyghurs in uh, in China, and I thought, okay, that's it. That's the bottom has fallen out. Biden I, said I, that. Biden straight up said he doesn't care about the Uyghurs. That's what I. That's what I saw on the TV. I'm not making this up, and I'm yeah. not having a flight. So, you look it wow. up. I mean, I, I it was really sick. Man. I mean, it's a moment of honesty, at least, for a politician. <laughs> Refreshing. Yeah. yeah. Where is everyone Thank with that, God. though? Because they're Muslim, right? Like, shouldn't people be standing up to stand up for them like they usually well, you do? Think, uh, you know, I, uh, I would think that, you know, we've been in questionable relations with Muslims for whatever reason, but that doesn't mean we... Uh, when you say we've Muslims. been... I'm sorry, just stop stop you for a moment there, Bill. Uh, when you say what? we've been in questionable relations with Muslims, who are you talking about? Who's we? Well, you know, a lot of the Middle East has promoted they don't like us. Uh, I've gotten that. A lot of uh, we need I to mean, talk about this Uyghur story because I just pulled it up, and it, it is absolutely disgusting. I mean, one of the best things that Trump did as president was declare this the Uyghur genocide to be a genocide. A genocide. I would say it's even worse. It's a Holocaust. Mm. It's a full blown Holocaust over there. For Joe Biden to yeah, for Joe Biden to stand there as the president of the United States and say, oh, well, you know, they do things a little differently over there. Dude, that's not good enough. Three million people are incarcerated against their will, being having their org- organs harvested, being tortured, being enslaved, being put to death. I mean, how do you even get numbers out of China? How do you know it's three million it's estimated. and not seven million or ten? Or- yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm going to have to take a sick day tomorrow because I'm just, uh, this is really making me ill, man. Yeah. See, I, I don't you. care that much about what politicians say to allow it to make me feel physically ill, Yeah, but this is disgusting. Well, yeah, I expect them to be despicable. I expect them to be inhumane. I expect them to be terrifying and awful, and you know, I don't blame well, anybody for you know, not wanting to pay attention to them, because they're awful. You know, 
I, I think I think it's time for us to step up to the line and hold the line because these kooks are coming here, man. Who? Which kooks? And these uh, <laughs> anybody that Biden has in his little pocket. Uh, you know, I mean, he's got the Chinese. They or should I say, they've got him. Was that a slur? And, I think it meant kooky. Oh. The, yeah. the what? I'm sorry. Kooks. See, she she was confused about the term kooks. You mean crazies? You're crazies. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, these people that want to, you know, uh, pile drive innocent people into uh, into work camps in Shijian uh, and. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's scary we stuff. We got to hold the line, man. Yeah. We got to hold the line. Yeah, I just want to say something about, you know, what you were saying about uh, folks in the Middle East. You, you got to remember when you say things like we and us, it's not really accurate to say those things because we, at least those of us here on the show, have had good relationships with Muslims. Right. Oh, and I uh, have too. I have too. Yeah. yeah don't get uh, me wrong. The, the people in the Middle East. You have to remember it's important to separate the politicians and the government people right. from the actual the people. people. Right. The, the that's a great way to put yeah. it. The innocent people. The people who just want to live their lives and take care of their families. And that's something that everybody has in common, right? It doesn't matter what your religion is, whether you have a religion or no religion or whatever, for the most part, unless you're a psychopath, you actually want to you know, help take care of people in your life and, and, uh, and have a better life for everybody that you know, you're connected with and those that even you aren't. Uh, but politicians are of the opposite view. They want to live life large on the backs of everybody else, and that's true yep. of the politicians in Washington, D.C., and it's true of the politicians in the Middle East, and it's true of the politicians in China, and the only difference between them is just a matter of degrees. Um, so, right, a few dollars here and there. Yeah, most, most Muslims are peaceful people, and most Christians are peaceful people it's just that when you give people who are uh when you give anybody power then all of a sudden the real sickos come out of the woodwork right thank you for the call tonight bill i appreciate hearing from you and that's that's one of the most important things to remember is you know humans have a whole lot more in common than they have different from one another take any religion take it off the table and just look at the humanity of that person. What Even do they if actually you leave the do? religion on the table, you're going to find that there's way more in common between these religions than they, than they have different. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was a Christian, I remember I saw this video that like, like really like confused me a little bit. It was somebody going up and reading quotes from, it was supposed to be like they were tricking them that they were reading quotes from the Quran, and it was somebody on the street like, yep, those Muslims are so dangerous. But then but it, was Bible it was actually quotes. the Bible. Yeah. Well, and then as you pointed out, Arya, these are very similar religions anyway. I mean, they're all considered the, was it the Abrahamic, I believe, yeah. traditions, uh, Jewish, Muslim, Christians. Um, at a time in Muhammad's day, they were all living in you know the same areas together and living peacefully uh, among one another. So, you know, they don't have to not get along. It's the government's. That are the ones that that encourage divisions, it's, right? Because the governments benefit from it. That's right. You have to have an enemy. There has to be. And in you know 2001, the enemy was so-called terrorism, and now in 2021, it's so-called coronavirus and the invisible enemy. What's well, a little more insidious than that? In 2001, it was Muslim terrorism. Mm-hmm. In 2021, it's domestic, domestic terrorism terrorists. and the invisible enemy. Yep, that's right. Everybody, it's danger out there. We need to have the government around to keep us safe. I look outside my window. I just see people going about their lives. Minding their own. I don't see these bombs falling. I don't see these mass deaths, these bodies piling in the streets. What is so dangerous out there? Uh, well, the government. Other than the government. Uh, 6 well, it is cold. 
It is cold. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Your calls and thoughts welcome, and you can take control of the airwaves here. This is Free Talk Live. Look, I'm sorry, but you're in for a world of pain if you use Coinomi. The reason is their wallet doesn't support payments. The solution is simple. Let them hear your voice. Message Coinomi on Twitter, it takes five seconds, and tell them AnyPay sent you, because they're on the fence right now, and your voice will prove that people care about using Bitcoin for payments. Go tweet at Coinomi now. Or even better, leave a review in the App Store. They really pay attention there. Thanks. Yeah, free talk live. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, you've got Ian. Bonnie. And Aria. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts. And also on the way here tonight, I want to say thank you to Barry, who is a free talk live silver amplifier. Thanks, Barry, for Helping us amp the show. Amp stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. It's a way for you to help us get Free Talk Live on more radio stations and bring new internet listeners on board. So once again, thanks to Barry for doing that for five bucks a month. You can do more than five if you want, but five's what we ask for. So appreciate that. Uh, and you get some cool perks, you get some benefits. You can get the list of those over at amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go to your calls and thoughts. Chuck is listening online in Washington State. Chuck, you're on Free Talk Live. I'm actually listening on K2X in Needles, California, just so you know. Thank but, you for that. Uh, I wanted Great to station. touch on the whole uh, persecution of Chinese Muslims. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting that these Donald Trump supporters want to use this as a political chess piece to advance their agenda. At the same time, they ignore the whole Muslim ban that was coming into the United States or whatever when Donald Trump was running for president. It's just like the Muslims are being treated as the homeless people, as chess pieces mm-hmm. for political gains. That is a good point. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, there's hypocrisy all over, you know, both the left wing and the right wing. So, very yeah, good absolutely. Point. Father Abraham had seven sons and seven sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. Are So are you. I don't know if my dad's Father Abraham. I think he's, his name's Bob, but I don't know what that was supposed to mean. Is that some sort of Christian? He's saying they're thing? all Abrahamic religions. I, I right? thought he was getting at that. I thought he was saying that we're all ultimately descendants of Abraham. Because, I mean, that's what Christians believe. Hmm. I like Bonnie's explanation. That's the one that makes the most sense. Let's go to Dave in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave. Hey, folks. Uh, I wanted to update you on uh, there's a bill that reopennh.com is asking people to oppose in New Hampshire. Hmm. And uh, so a a Republican senator apparently has sponsored a bill to turn uh, many of the governor's edicts into permanent laws. I'm talking about the COVID edicts. Right, because they're not actually laws when a governor, even under the government system, when a governor issues an order, it's just an order. It's not the same thing as law. It shouldn't have the same weight uh, as law under the system, even though apparently they do, and the government acts as though they're the same thing as uh, if they were passed by the legislature. So who needs a legislature anyway? Which ones? Which well, of the edicts should, are they I talking about? Because some of them I'm okay with. Like if they want to have a permanent 
regulation allowing bars to deliver alcohol to people or whatever. I'm sure. okay with they that. They did do that. I'll give them credit for that one. Yeah, and I, I should clarify, this is this is what Reopening Age is, is claiming. The, the, what their, their claim specifically is, quote, the bill would take many of Governor Sununu's unlawful and unnecessary emergency orders and write them permanently into law, including provisions to allow remote or hybrid learning, to allow cities and towns to legally impose mask and social distancing, unquote, et cetera. Yep, sounds like uh, bad news. So this is an organization, Reopen NH, uh, that was actually founded by a free stater, which is interesting. It's uh, been a very successful organization, and he did a smart thing. Uh, they came up with, I think it was like April of last year, when you know the the lockdown had gone beyond its two weeks or whatever, and the restrictions were ridiculous. Uh, and he put out a petition to reopen New Hampshire, and got some number of hundreds, if not thousands, of signatures on that petition. And we all know that petitions don't convince politicians to do anything, right? Right? They won't. It won't make a difference. But what it did do, and this was what was really smart about it, was it got him a huge mailing list. So mm. basically, everybody that signed up for that petition gave an email address. And so now he's got hundreds, if not thousands, of New Hampshire-based people who are upset at New Hampshire closing down. So they're with us on this issue, at the very least. Who knows what they believe on other things? But on this issue, they're with us. Uh, we want freedom. We want more, you know, the ability for business owners to get out there and do what they need to do to bring customers in to take care of their families and their employees and all that. And uh, so, so he did that and created this organization, and now they're monitoring legislation. Uh, now they are grading the representatives, or as far as they're, they're like endorsing candidates, I guess. They haven't graded representatives. That's the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance that does that. Uh, so they're doing uh, their own kind of thing, their own political thing that's different from what the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance does, which they also endorse uh, you know, state rep candidates and state senate candidates and things like that. So kudos to uh, the founder, Andrew Manuse is his name, over at Reopen New Hampshire. In fact, he was speaking recently at the Porcupine Day event that Bonnie and I attended a couple of weeks ago in Manchester, where it was the Free State Project was sort of celebrating the end of the five-year moving window for the Free State Project, and they had Andrew uh, give one of the speeches at that event. I recorded that, so if you want to see him kind of explain how he built this organization, and he was encouraging other people to kind of use that model of, hey, make a petition. If that petition goes viral, you now have a base of people that you can you know, market ideas to that you can, you know, get them to hopefully take action on these issues. Dave, anything else you want to share tonight? Uh, I I would urge people to go to reopeninh.com if they're in New Hampshire and you'll find out about this bill and how to oppose it. There you go. And if you're not in New Hampshire and you want to help support what we're doing here, I'd recommend the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance because they're doing a much wider focus. I mean, the Reopen's doing good work. But the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance has a huge task ahead of them every single year where they're reading every piece of legislation or as many as they possibly can out of like 800 pieces of legislation. It's a tremendous order, a tremendous task. And uh, Yeah, they... that's a lot of legislation. Right. Considering most of them are going to be bare minimum 50 pages long. By the way, Dave, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it. I don't think they're mostly 50 pages long. Most of them really? aren't that long. New Hampshire's legislation is, in a lot of cases, a few pages, but some of them are certainly that long. There's no doubt about it. 
but one of the nice things about New Hampshire is they have to keep legislation to one topic. Ah. So they can't like, in, for the most part, they can't throw a bunch of stuff into the same piece of legislation. I think the budget is an exception to that to some extent. But for the most part, you're usually looking at one issue per bill, which is nice. But again, there's 800 bills. So the the bulk... It's a, it's a huge load, uh, you know, burden on this organization. And so if you wanted to, if you like what's happening in New Hampshire with this migration of libertarian activists coming here and you're just, you can't join us for whatever reason, you know, you're locked down with a career or family or something for whatever reason you, you feel stuck or it's too cold for you here, uh, you feel stuck, but you want to help out. You could, you could do this job of like reading legislation and recommending on how to vote on this legislation if you're a libertarian and you actually like reading government legislation i don't i can't handle it personally it makes me suicidal i can't handle reading government legislation but yeah, it's uh, pretty bad some people love it they really do enjoy it and that's what that's the kind of person that the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance needs. So check them out at nhliberty.org. It's a way for you to donate your time if you don't have money uh, to to help out because they need help. I can imagine enjoying reading this stuff because we got something from our attorney recently and it was oh like 56, God. 57 pages. I mean, and it's it involves me. Yeah. And I hated I, every second of reading it. Ian figured out a cheat. He just compared the old one to the new one and only read what was new. Ah. Yeah, you're referring to the lawsuit that you and I are plaintiffs on, along with the owner of Fa Keen Great, which is a local Fa Noodle restaurant here in Keene. Uh, and we are suing the governor, and yes. we're suing the city of Keene over their mask mandates. Now, I'd like to overturn every single one of the emergency orders, but that's not the scope of this lawsuit. Um, and it's a 52, the original lawsuit was 52 pages long or something like that, 54 or whatever. And now, and I did read that whole thing when he first submitted that. And then he did an updated version of it because it's literally been f- four months, five months. Yeah, since. The, the other people, they did a thing and then our attorney did a thing and then they did a thing and then yeah. he amended it and they did another thing. Right. And, it's- and now, so, so now he's filed this amended version, which in, you know, it includes a couple new things, but not a whole lot. And so going through all 56 pages, I was just comparing one page to the next, each paragraph to see if it looked like there had been like a word added or deleted or something. And then I just looked at those paragraphs. Yes, see, I reread the entire oh freaking thing again. Wow. <laughs> All right, 603-283-6160. You can take control of the airwaves. You can bring up whatever's on your minds. We'll talk about the uh, the Uyghur genocide here and what exactly Biden did say. Coming up, it's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160 is the number. If you want to join us, you can. 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Bonnie. And Aria. We will go back to your calls, your thoughts. I do have the story about what did Biden actually say in regards to the Uyghurs, the Muslims in China that have been apparently been put into camps and I mean, and worse. China is constantly building new prison facilities for these for this purpose yeah for de- illegally detaining torturing brainwashing reindoctrinating the Muslim people of China right and we've and talked the, about the world this. is ignoring it this Holocaust that is happening right in front of our eyes no one's talking about it. Every once in a while, you'll see the New York Times or someone run this lengthy op-ed about it. But why is this being talked about 
This is millions of people being genocided. Apparently, this happened very recently. Uh, CNN Town Hall Tuesday evening. So yesterday evening, uh, he appeared on this CNN thing and talked about... Joe Biden? Yes, and talked about this issue. And so we'll tell you what he had to say coming up here in a moment. We go first, though, to Jimmy. He's calling us from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Jimmy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, good evening. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, here with my girlfriend. She's a uh, registered nurse as well. Uh, okay. How are you doing tonight? Good. What's on your mind tonight, Jimmy? Uh, just a total failure of government, as usual. Um, we've been without power for rolling blackouts for lasting 10 hours in the middle of the night to where it's, you know, about 25 degrees in the apartment. Um, wow. And this is the third or fourth day that this is going on, and we also have no running water. And there's absolutely the highways are treacherous, not salted, not sanded. Uh, things are out at the store, water and the gas at the uh, all the gas stations locally. Oh, man. Um, it's a little pandemonium. We got you out of there just in time, Bonnie. Yeah, I'm from San Antonio. I just moved. I lived in the Castle Hills area, and I just moved uh, in January. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now, Castle Hills area. Wow. That's insane. So this has to do with the the weather. It's gotten unseasonably cold there in Texas and a lot of other places in, in the United States. Apparently snow is actually covering the ground in San Antonio, or at least it had been at some point. Like is, five or six inches, yeah. And yeah. I believe there's more coming. Yeah, and I saw something, or I think you heard something on the news today, Bonnie, that it was only like South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida that don't have snow. Apparently, every other state has gotten snow within the last, what, four or five I mean, days? That's what there's neighbors trying to cut down trees in the apartment complex. All the stores like Walmart, they don't even answer the phone. And Walmart, that's linked up what's supposed to be with Homeland Security, they've done nothing to prepare, nothing to help the citizens, um, nothing from the local or state government. Um, this is really becoming a disaster zone. I mean, why, you know, why is it that the water is? Is it because the pipes are frozen? Why are the why is the water not operating? Normally, it would be frozen. Yeah, if the I was going to say normally, if the power goes out, it doesn't affect the fact that you know the water tower is pushing you know water down and you know getting water to people. So is yeah, it, it's a combination of that, no electricity, but also because they've shut off the power for ten to twelve hours during sub freezing temperatures. I'm sure there's going to be massive amounts of property damage. And, and busted pipes. I mean, a crumbling infrastructure. It's really sad. I feel like I'm in a third world country. How cold is it outside right now in San Antonio? Um, I'd say it's about mid 30s. Okay. Um, it's the warmest it's been. Uh, the wow. other night it was about one degrees. Everything in our apartment, even bottled water that was left out, um, froze. So, I mean, Jeez. we were huddled in and I mean, it's terrible. The, the cold just takes the energy right out of you, you know? Sure. I mean, I can't blame the people of Texas for not being prepared for this sort of winter storm. Because, sure. I mean, what does that happen once every two or three hundred years? Yeah. But it, it's a good reminder that the government always fails when it comes to disaster. And that we always have to be prepared to take care of ourselves. And for this electric company to do rolling blackouts 10 hours or, or longer... Um, it's just criminal. It's really, it's really a shame, especially during a pandemic, COVID. I mean, of all the things that our government should be preparing for instead of the infighting, and you know, it, it's sad. Uh, I don't, I don't know what else to make of it, but I appreciate you all. What are you guys doing to uh, to stay warm? I mean, twenty five degrees inside the apartment. That's, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, well, we, luckily we have a fireplace, and I did buy uh, four bundles of wood, try not to be greedy and save some for others, because mm-hmm. there was only about 20 left in the store, 
and I, I've been burning a, a piece a day, but we ran out of wood last night. Oh, my God. And uh, some of the wood that I bought, it's actually, uh, unbeknownst to me, was wet mm. uh, that I bought at uh, HEB. So, um, you know, but there's nothing anywhere. I mean, there's no fire logs, no wood. There's no stores are shut down. Uh, big stores like Walmart, they're absolutely... I mean, I can't even get a return phone call from a manager three days in a row just begging, pleading for, for you know, I put an order in for $25 for fire logs, and they kicked it out down the road saying I needed to order $35, which was like a marketing scheme. You know, um, it, it just mind, it, it bothers my mind how there's no, you know, goodwill towards men and how the government, this is a disaster zone. I mean, well, goodwill towards men, that's, that's. A middle-class idea, right? People only have that notion when things are comfortable and easygoing. As soon as things get hard, the vast majority of people throw it out the window and it becomes Mm dog-eat-dog. My friend in San Marcos. You need need fresh water. I mean, forget about showering and bathing and all that, but you need fresh water and toiletries and and all that stuff. And I I don't, you know, this this just keeps getting worse and worse. Wow. I'm looking for government to say, hey, this disaster, let's plow the roads, let's get the trucks moving, let's get the store supplied, and it's like silence. They probably don't even have plows. Uh, Bonnie, what were you trying to say? There? I was going to say, my friend that lives in San Marcos, she stood outside of a um, Sam's Club for two hours just for the, and the employees were in the store because they kept looking at them, and they came outside and said, sorry, we're closed today. And um, wow. she, yeah. she tweeted that, and Sam's Club tweeted back to her saying, like, next time maybe you should call ahead. Yeah, I mean, you got to stop looking for government thing. to save you, though. If you're waiting on the government to get out there pl- to plow these roads, yeah, yeah, the the government <laughs> is that the worst thing that they're capable of doing is saving people. I mean, that's what they're worst at. Jimmy, thanks for calling in tonight. I appreciate it. It's the first actually we've heard from anybody, and I wish you the best. And keep us in the loop if you're uh, you're not an icicle <laughs> tomorrow night, and you can you know update us on what's happening. Feel free to do that. I appreciate your call tonight. Uh, wow. 603-283-6160. And this is affecting a lot of people. Think about that. I mean, what is it? A million people in uh, San Antonio? 1.5 million. Yeah, that's a big city. And that's just one of them. I saw a news story today of the guy who does the power there saying that he doesn't know when it's going to be back on. And and as the uh, as Freedom Solenoid points out in our chat room in the Matrix server over at chat.freetalklive.com, he says the pump houses are down because of the power outages. So they can't pump the water, or I, I don't know if they're pumping sewage or whatever it is they're pumping, but uh, it's bad. And again, it's a good warning to be prepared, but again, I want to stress that it's unreasonable for the people of San Antonio or Texas in general to be prepared for, you know, this catastrophic snowstorm. No doubt. No one saw that coming. Uh, but now they're going to have some, you know, next time. But still, they'll have, you know. They'll, uh, they'll have gone out and bought a nice coat for the for the next time and come up with some sort of alternative, uh, you know, some sort of alternative heat that you can have stored away. Most people don't think about those things, but um, these sorts of situations will make you think differently. So Biden is uh, hitting the, well, it's not a campaign trail. He's hitting the media. He's uh, been on CNN Tuesday evening. And according to the story over here at nypost.com, he is dismissing the genocide against the Uyghur population in China, dubbing the mass internment a, quote, different norm, unquote, despite the State Department this month responding to the atrocities in the camps following reports of systematic rape, 
and torture, systemic rape and torture. The commander-in-chief made the remarks after being asked during his CNN town hall Tuesday evening about his recent counter, uh, conversation with his Chinese counterpart, stating his response by relaying President Chinese, or Chinese President Xi's justification for the abuses. He said, this is what Biden said, quote, If you know anything about Chinese history... It has always been the time when China has been victimized by the outer world is when they haven't been unified at home. Whatever that means. So the central, well, vastly overstated, the central principle of Xi Jinping is that there must be a united, tightly controlled China, and he uses his rationale for the things he does based on that. So they have to exterminate the undesirables in order to present a unified front to the rest of the world. And Joe Biden's okay with this? Apparently. Because he's, that's that's what Xi is saying. Yeah, like we have, we get bullied when we're not united, so and when we're not all standing together. So we have to get rid of all of those other people, all of those different people. Yeah, and he sounds like he's just relaying what he said and not criticizing it in any way, shape, or form. Uh, China, a nation that has faced a wave of international scrutiny over the past few years relating to its activities in dismantling democracy in Hong Kong and its refusal to accept responsibility for negligence and lack of transparency at the onset of the coronavirus outbreak has not let global tensions stop its mass internment of Uyghurs in Xinjiang province. President Biden continued in his response that he's, quote, not going to speak out against these actions in Hong Kong against the Uyghurs or in Taiwan. Uh, Taiwan. We'll tell you more about what Biden had to say, and you can share your thoughts. 603-283-6160. Are you surprised? It's Free Talk Live. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Kicking off the third hour here. We got time for you if you want to join us. The open phones are at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you, it's Ian. Bonnie. And Arya. And you can also call in via our chat server. You can go to chat.freetalklive.com and get step-by-step instructions on how to reach out to us. Now, there has to be step-by-step instructions because, honestly, it is a little bit complicated. Okay, so there are some steps that need to be taken. And once you get through those steps, it'll be really easy for you to call from that point on. Once you make that first call, it'll be super easy for you to call from then on. And you will sound almost like you're sitting here in the studio with us. It's fantastic. And the uh, the thing you need to know about the Matrix chat server is it is open source, self-hosted, and as they call it, polycentric. So it's not centralized in the traditional sense, like a Discord server would be, where there's a central corporation that has all these servers that they let people use, and then they take away from them whenever they feel like it. No, Matrix, no one can take away our Matrix server from us. We run the Matrix server. And there are other matrix servers that it connects to because it's what's called federated. So you can actually connect to 
other Matrix servers. If, they, if you know there's a room on some other server somewhere, you can connect to that unless it's exclusive to that one server. So, like, for instance, on the Free Talk Live server, there's some rooms that you have to be a member of our server to join, and there's other rooms that you don't. Some rooms are public. Other rooms are private. How many private rooms are there on the server? Honestly, I don't even know, and I'm the server admin. Well, people are constantly creating them. You yes. Know? And, and you can do that. You can. It's amazing. And uh, it's free to use. Go to chat.freetalklive.com. And you can join us there. In fact, we've got somebody who's uh, trying to call in on there right now. We will go to him in just a moment. And the number here is 603-283-6160. Also, coming up, more from Joe Biden in what he has to say, essentially making excuses for the Chinese government interning what may be millions of Muslim Uyghurs, as they're called, in what they are calling re-education camps. We'll tell you more about that. But first, I believe we have Stephen. He's calling in from AnyPay headquarters out in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Hello, Stephen. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on Boy, your mind? Boy, am, am I excited for June 28th through July 3rd. <laughs> uh, really? June 28th through July 3rd? Okay, what's happening? That is, that is uh, the most fun festival. I love this festival. Here's how it works. Every, a bunch of people get together, people who love Bitcoin, and they compete against each other to see who can earn the most Bitcoins from the other attendees. <laughs> I love this. I love this. It was actually Derek J. who called in and said something very similar earlier earlier this week, that the, the whole of ForkFest is a, a giant competition to see who can make the most money off the other attendees. That's right. Well, that's <laughs> that's why market. I sell Bitcoin there. <laughs> exactly. And it, it is a true competition, and it's the market in action. I want to correct yeah. you, though. It's through July the 4th. Well, that's the thing. Everybody has their own opinion about when ForkFest happens. And I think it's actually really interesting. Derek J. has already called in, I think, twice in the last week to promote ForkFest.com, which is a brand new website, which I actually use today. I, I put the Free Talk Live uh, broadcast site on there. It's a map of ForkFest. But Derek J. has been saying that ForkFest is happening from the 21st of June through July 4th. Now, Stephen, I'll accept that as well. Now, well, it's through, through July 4th, of course, yes. But Stephen, now you're saying it's the 28th through the 4th, which is what we've been saying on the air. So I just think it's funny that within the same couple, <laughs> like Derek and Stephen are a couple. And no, like, I, Here's what I said. I said I'm looking forward to the 28th through July 4th. Ah. So the, the, the week before that, it's going to be really fun too. That's when the people who come early to ForkFest arrive <laughs> and... But, you know, it's going to be really fun the June 28th through July 4th. Okay. And, I agree entirely. So you just misspoke week. earlier. Yeah. No, Bobby, I, there won't I be see, anything I happening. That you were added to the map right there. And our map is filling up. See, yeah. here's what it is. It's a, there's a big campground. And each campsite has a number on it. You can go there now. Forkfest.com. Works great on your phone. Yep. And you'll see a bunch of different numbers. And you can claim your number. And you can add your business to the map. And so they're starting to fill up with green circles. It was, it was all white to start just uh, two days ago. Yep. Now they're starting to fill up with green. And Explain to, to me the difference the between the white circles and the green circles. The white circle doesn't yet have anyone who's, who's claimed okay. that spot. Gotcha. Now, just to be clear, this is the, the people who've claimed the spot on the website forkfest.com. I tried calling Rogers Campground. I did call Rogers Campground today. And I wanted to lock down the site for Free Talk Live. Well, somebody had already taken the same site we had last year. 
Um, so, so just because it's not at ForkFest.com doesn't mean the site is available at the campground. So you that's really, right. Yeah, you should get your site reserved as soon as possible because, like, some of the best sites already are gone. Uh, and, and actually, that, that's news. the Who problem the with top for me too. Site? Sorry, what's I wanted that, to get I wanted to get three sites all together, but the all the ones around me that I wanted were already taken, which mm. is totally unlike other years. Right. So there, there's a it looks like there's a bunch of people. And so anyway, the competition is to earn the most Bitcoins from each other. So once you add your business to the map, then people will be able to pay, find your business and pay you with Bitcoins. Mm-hmm. And the way it works is that your account that you created or uh, the, the site that you claimed, will, it links up to your AnyPay account. Okay. So it makes, super easy, it makes it super easy for people to pay you oh. right at ForkFest.com. Oh, interesting. Because, okay, that was interesting. So instead of using a ForkFest section of AnyPay.city, they can just go directly through ForkFest.com and like click their circle and send a payment or something? Exactly. That's it's ForkFest.com. It's the easiest way to remember and promote the game of earning Bitcoins and giving each other Bitcoins in, in exchange for services and goods. I think it's, it's awesome, so and it's fun. something that wait. that we've long needed at ForkFest. This is year number five, and it's the first time somebody's finally cooked up a really useful map. Um, you know, we we did a last digit uh, dish last ditch uh, attempt. Aria, you you found this website that offered apps, and you hired them, and they spit an app out real fast for ForkFest, and we, like we literally did it during the event. Yeah, we did, <laughs> uh, and it and it worked for what it was, but it was a very centralized thing where everybody had to like tell you what was going on, and, and it was so much to, work, dude. Yeah, I did not enjoy yeah, it. No, not fun. This Stephen and Derek have set this up. It's automated. You just you go right now at forkfest.com. If you know the site you're going to be on, you put that in there and it's boom. There you are. You're on the list, you're on the map, and there's a list of all the places that you can go to. So, finding what's available is going to be easier than it's ever been this year at Forkfest and it's thanks to uh, the guys over at AnyPay. And I didn't realize that you're connecting AnyPay accounts. So, I presume are you doing that based on the email addresses that the person puts in when they when they sign up? That's right. The email address you put in nice. will We'll send payments right to your AnyPay account. If you don't have an AnyPay account already, do not despair. Be happy because you can add yourself to the site. To the, You can claim your business on the map, claim your site, 83, 110, right in front, in back, whichever one you want. Mm-hmm. And then you can sign up with, with your email to AnyPay later. And Amazing. we can help you with that. I love it. Stephen, I have a question. Is there going to be like parties every night in the dome or is it going to be like one dome night? Well, I, I will be playing music all the time nice and there's definitely going to be a big energetic party on friday night which friday july july 3rd oh okay during for the very peak of fork fest no wait wait friday is i thought friday was the second isn't friday the second Stephen, have you used this app on a mobile phone yet or have you used this website on a mobile phone yes i have Okay, I guess I'm just having a weird issue then where I click the site to see what's there and absolutely nothing happens. That's not happening. There, oh, there's nothing, nothing happens yet. Yeah. Oh, okay, but it's coming. You can add, you add your business, click add your business or yeah. event, and it'll go on the map. Then you can click list of vendors, and that'll show you a, a list of everyone who signed up already, put themselves on the map. And um, basically, once you've done that, you've done everything. Yeah. If you have an AnyPay account, just in the next week or two, or, uh, and certainly by the festival, your account will be automatically linked to your Bitcoin payments. And so everyone can find each other. And guys, the reason I made this is Forkfest, which inspired Forkfest, has been needing an institutional 
software that will help it grow year after year. And you guys are the right team to do it. Thank you, Stephen Zeiler from AnyPay, AnyPayinc.com. ForkFest is looking like it's going to be an epic record-setting year this year. Appreciate your call. There's more coming up here. You can join us on Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. Talk Live. The number here is 603-283-6160. That allows you to bring up whatever you want to talk about here. 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio here tonight, it's Ian. Bonnie. And Aria. So we're going to get back into President Joe Biden and his opinions about the Chinese Uyghur population. You know, the millions of Muslims that uh, live in Western China that are now being put into internment camps? Well, Biden has an opinion he wanted to share, apparently, on a CNN uh, town hall last night about that. And we'll share more of that with you coming up here. But first, we're going to go into your calls and your thoughts. We go first to Vernon, calling from Louisiana. Vernon, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, so I don't know if you've already talked about this, uh, but Rush Limbaugh passed away earlier today. Do do me a favor, Uh, Vernon. Do me a favor. Just back off your microphone like, I don't know, three or four inches or something, and then you'll sound a little better. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Sorry about that. Uh, Rush Limbaugh passed away earlier this uh, morning, and I just wanted to get your thought. You, You always have very good insights into the radio industry and just wanted to see how they might fill that gap, because um, I think that's a big loss for talk radio in general. Yeah, uh, so Rush Limbaugh, I mean, as much as we might disagree with whatever his opinions were on some things, uh, we do have to say that, uh, you know, I think talk radio in general, is when I say we, talk radio in general, does owe Rush Limbaugh a bit of a debt of gratitude. He was sort of known as the first uh, talk show, even though it's not really true. There were other people who were doing talk radio before Rush, but he was the first one to really go w- with the syndicated model of uh, getting on other radio stations as a talk show host. And he did this in like 1989, 1988. So he'd been doing it for quite a long time and uh, and did it very, very successfully, um, ultimately kind of creating AM talk radio as we know it. So to some extent, you know, we owe that to Rush Limbaugh, um, so kudos to Rush for doing that. Um, but that's really, you know, one of the only nice things I can say about the guy as far as, you know, his political opinions are are concerned. I mean, he's just a another dyed-in-the-wool Republican. As far as what he's going to do or as far as what talk radio stations are going to do, well, the good news is they've had plenty of time to think about it because it wasn't a secret that Rush Limbaugh was ill. He had lung cancer because he had a lifelong smoking problem. I don't know when he quit smoking or if he ever quit smoking. I don't follow him closely as far as his personal issues are concerned. I do remember years ago he lost his hearing due to taking too much hydrocodone. Apparently that's something that happens to people that do way too many opiates. Who knew? Um, but that's why he lost his hearing apparently many, like two decades ago or whenever that was. Um, so it's been a, you know, it's been an interesting road for affiliate stations of this particular show with essentially a drug addicted host who on the other hand is also advocating for things like the war on drugs. So, you know, it's, it's okay for him to stay out of prison, but, 
uh, other people should should go to prison, that kind of thing. Uh, but obviously, those are my comments on on his opinions. Aside from that, the radio industry, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say, and they already were saying before Rush passed away, that oh, this is the death of talk radio. Talk radio is done once Rush Limbaugh is 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 done. And I think that's you know they're writing the eulogy too soon on uh, on talk radio. I think that talk radio and talk in general is. A format that's not going to go away, whether radio lives or dies, is another question. Uh, but there's always going to be, you know, people who want to hear other people's opinions, people who want more than just to listen to music uh, at all times. They want to hear an opinion that differs from theirs. They want to be challenged and listen to something, or just listen to the somebody that agrees with them, or whatever. I think right? it's primarily that. It may be that. I don't know. I don't know what percentage of Limbaugh's audience or any audience actually agrees with them versus just wants to listen to something, you know, listen to something that's that's entertaining. I mean, how many people that are listening to this show right now actually agree with the hosts of the show? Well, we all disagree on some stuff, so we do. Yeah, that'd be possible. Right. Within the studio, we have disagreements, certainly. Well, they think we're all leftists now, so... Well, unless you unless we're on a leftist station, in which case they think we're all rightists, which has happened. By oh, the way. sure. Yeah, we've been on the progressive talk stations as well. Uh, Vernon, I don't know. Did I answer your question at all? I think everything's going to be no, fine. You said, thank you. And one last question. Do you feel like this may open an opportunity for Free Talk Live at all? No. Is, and here's is why. Is that just a different realm than you all are in? No. Yeah. And, and here's why. Normally, if there's a talk show that is leaving the airwaves, so for instance, Clark Howard, which is like a consumer reporter kind of guy, he left his show. He end, end, ended his show at the end of uh, 2020. And I called all his stations, even though he's an afternoon drive show. So he's not in the same slot uh, but i called them all because some of them delay broadcast as they call it where they take a show record it and then they play it back later obviously if it's on at night it's we've got a higher chance of getting in in that position plus howard had some weekend shows as well so he had some weekend stations we do live weekends so that's an opportunity for us with limbaugh i don't think there's any station that is allowed to air limbaugh's show outside of its live slot i don't think that exists i think every station has to air Limbaugh, Limbaugh had the most ironclad of all the contracts in the business. Limbaugh was a, was a show that, you know, he doesn't talk about this, right? But everybody in the talk radio industry, everybody who's ever been a program director of one of his stations, they know that they had to pay for the Rush Limbaugh show. Every other talk show I've ever heard of does what's called a barter deal with stations where so, for instance, if you're going to take free talk, if you're a program director of a radio station, doesn't matter what the size of the market is. If you want to take our show, it's the same agreement, no matter who you are. The agreement is we get to run some of our ads on your air and you get to run some of your own local ads on the air. And that's how those stations avoid having to pay somebody or whatever to come in and, and do a show locally. So that's why a lot of stations run syndicated shows at night. They, they don't have either they don't have the talent or they don't have the money to bring somebody in 24 hours a day. So they bring in shows like us where they don't have to pay us a dime. We just get to run our ads on the air. So that's what they call a barter deal in the business. Well, Limbaugh was the only show I'd ever heard of that actually charged radio stations a fee. And it wasn't like 100 bucks. It was the price of what it would cost to actually hire somebody in whatever the market was. So if you were in New York City, you paid the top dollar because it's the number one market. If you're in market number 50 or market number 100, you don't pay as much as New York City. You pay less, 
because it wouldn't cost as much to hire a morning show guy in your marketplace. But basically, whatever you'd pay a good morning show salary in your marketplace, that's what you were paying Rush Limbaugh. Just to air his show. Thank Just you for your honest yeah. opinion, Ian. I appreciate it. Well, that I mean, those are facts about right. about Rush Limbaugh. That's that's no opinion. I mean, I've, I've, thank you for the call. I just hung up. But uh, th- those those things I've heard from multiple program directors. And so if Rush Limbaugh is the kind of guy who's like, well, I can charge for my show. Well, then, you know, he's also the kind of guy who demands that stations run all three hours and that they run all three hours live and that they play. And another thing he did was he required uh, stations to play his ads, I believe, outside of his show. Ooh. So if you had Rush. You had to play his ads during the rest of your day parts, during the rest of the broadcast day. So, I mean, he literally, he knew he was number one and act like, acted like it, right? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound like a very friendly person. No, not very friendly at all. But he did kind of create talk radio, so you get some credit for that. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. When he spoke at the talkers convention that Mark and I went for in like 2005, he came in, spoke, and left. Didn't even like shake hands and, you know, meet people. We're coming up. Not this is Free Talk Live. We'd like to invite you to visit freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Free Talk Live, you are invited if you want. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, it's Ian. Bonnie. And Aria. 603-283-6160. Open phones, as always, also on our chat server. You can go to chat.freetalklive.com. That'll take you over to the Matrix Chat instructions on how to join the chat server and how to call in when you do that. We actually got another call. On the line, Stephen, who'd called in earlier, was on our Matrix server, and he sounded pretty good. Um, and we're going to continue with your calls. Also, the phone lines are open, too, so you can call there. 603-283-6160. Plus, more on Joe Biden and what he had to say that I think is going to shock a lot of people about the Communist Party, the Chinese government putting people into re-education camps. And that's probably putting it nicely, what goes on in these camps. So, yeah, some of the reports are absolutely horrific. Yeah. I mean, forced sterilization, brainwashing, forcing them to violate their religious beliefs, forcing them to not mm. pray, to instead pray to the Chinese government. It sounds a lot like Guantanamo Bay, but uh, maybe that's why Biden is running cover for him, because he wants, you know, he's taking a few cues from him. Well, is Guantanamo Bay on a much larger scale? scale right. Sure. So we'll tell you more about that on the way here. Let's go to your calls and your thoughts. He's calling himself the Flash Shoes from California on our Matrix server. Go ahead. Uh, Hello, everybody. Uh, How are you guys doing tonight? Good. What's on your mind tonight? All right. Uh, Tonight I wanted to talk about a um, bill that the Democrats are proposing in the House. It's uh, Bill H.R. 27. Is this Uh, in the the state of California? uh, no, this is um, this is the House of Representatives, the national government in the U.S. Okay, go ahead. HR twenty seven. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so HR one twenty seven is related to gun control. It's going to require that you send the make, model, and serial number of every firearm that you buy, and you also have to tell the government where you store each gun. 
Um, and that information <laughs> will be open and accessible to the public, meaning that like if you're a criminal and you want to break into somebody's house, you can look up where they store their firearms. Wow. Um, additionally, they're going to require a license to buy a firearm. So people uh, under the age of 21 can't get it. You can have a family. Uh, you can join the military and use guns for the state, but you can't use one to protect your own family. Um, this will never they're, pass. They're also going to require... Well, uh, we'll see. Um, I, I can explain exactly why. A, it won't uh, pass because we have Democrats controlling the House and a Democratic president. And if they, if the state... <clears throat> If the state apparatus wants gun control, it's going to put Republicans in power. If it wants war, it's going to put Democrats in power. It's been like that through my entire life. We got more gun control under Donald Trump than we ever did under Barack Obama. And we got a lot more war under Barack Obama than we ever did under George W. Bush. And the same is true with Clinton and Bush Sr., if they want gun control, we get Republicans. If they want war, we get Democrats. It's interesting observation. I mean, you're not wrong about that. Could, they, could it be different this time, though? I think Hmm. No, because I think this is ultimately going to end up with war with Russia. All right, keep going. Yeah, so they also require a psychological evaluation. You need to complete 24 hours of training, and they require an $800 year insurance policy. Oh, and by the way, for the psychological evaluation, um, it's required that if you have an ex-husband or wife, that they um, be interviewed as well to see if you're mentally fit. I was going to bring that up. I saw that. Wow. Yeah, they they might as well call this the uh, you know ex-spouse uh, revenge bill. Um, it also enforces a magazine ban that restricts mags of ten rounds or more. Um, so it's just going to make it impossible for uh, normal people to own firearms. Luckily, um, you know I, I plan on moving to New Hampshire soon, and oh, New cool. Hampshire actually has a, a resolution that. Um, that's going directly against this. It's uh, you could look it up. C A C R H. It would essentially nullify uh, all federal, um, you know, mandates on gun control that that New Hampshire deems to be unconstitutional. So, C A C R H. I don't plan on following any of this crap, especially when I live there. Yeah, C A C R H. I think most people just won't follow it. To like, who's going to actually go tell the government where their guns are? Okay, just so you know, um, in New Hampshire, and I, I, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't just going off memory and, and I remembered correctly, but uh, CACR is the beginning of a constitutional amendment. So whenever you hear a CACR in New Hampshire, what it is is the state representatives or maybe the senators um, that are sponsoring a thing that if it passes the legislature, then actually goes on the ballot and the people of New Hampshire then have to vote for it, I think – 60 percent or maybe it's 66 percent i don't recall but it has to be like a super majority i like um, that the passing. legislature can't amend the constitution yeah i don't know what it would take for the legislature to do it by themselves there may be a method for that i'm not i'm not intimately enough familiar with the new hampshire constitution and how that works but from the time i've been here it's always been it goes on the ballot and so this one is uh, relating to firearms, provi- providing the legislature make no law restricting the right to own, carry, or use firearms or firearm accessories. Uh, it only has one sponsor. Now, I don't know if that is a bad thing, That you know whether that means that other state reps weren't willing to sign on to it or whatever. But nonetheless, it uh, seems like a good proposal here. They're talking about amending the Constitution to say the legislature shall enact no law that limits the rights of a person to own, carry, or use firearms or firearm accessories in any manner that would create a greater burden than in federal law. 
Any federal law that infringes upon rights guaranteed in this New Hampshire Constitution shall be unenforceable by New Hampshire law enforcement. I don't know if that's the best wording, if it's saying that... It's saying they'll let feds come in and enforce the federal law, at the very least. Yes, and it's saying that it can't enact a law that goes further than federal law. So, I mean, that's... That's not really something to get too excited about, I don't think. But, uh, you know, I I can appreciate at least the idea that the government of New Hampshire won't be assisting the feds in enforcing. So that's good. But, hey, what's your plan to uh, to make the move up here? Uh, so we plan on moving in June um, once, uh, once we get all of our uh, stuff gathered. And uh, we actually have a good amount saved up. Uh, currently, if we moved to there right now, we could easily um, buy a you know buy a house at this point even. Nice. Um, so we're we're just very excited uh, to live there and to finally be free. Uh, Are you coming to Forkfest? Um, because a lot of those uh, restrictions that I mentioned, uh, that's already the case in California. You can't <laughs> right. get uh, you can't get magazines with ra- uh, rounds over over ten um, and. It's just getting worse. Um, I, I think that there's going to be something that's going to be passed in the uh, California House where you have to literally register all of your mags, which is just ridiculous. That is insane. Like, I have no idea how they even plan on enforcing that. Uh, now, have you come out to New Hampshire to visit yet? Yeah, I've, I've met you guys before. Okay. Um, I thought the voice sounded I've, familiar. I visited Keen a couple of times. Yep. Okay. Uh, I thought the voice sounded familiar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very good. Hey, thanks for the heads up on that, and uh, good luck getting out of California. I hope you guys can make it out and they don't lock the borders down before you try to try to leave to keep you there. Uh, thank you for the call tonight. <laughs> Appreciate it. The number here is 603-283-6160. Now, his mic was a little mu- a little muffled sounding, but if you've got a good mic, you're going to sound... And I still think it was probably better than most phone calls as far as quality is concerned. He called in through the Matrix server. So try that out over at chat.freetalklive.com. And you can also interact with other Free Talk Live listeners there uh, at your leisure. Let's talk to David in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, David. But uh, you said it right. Uh, mor- moron. Joe Biden, and in case you haven't figured it out yet, their ultimate goal is to be able to abort you at will, any one of you, anytime they want to, for whatever reason they want to. That's what their ultimate goal is. And so the farther you let them go towards it, the closer you are to being aborted. So, but the land, um, so Ian, um, so you win. So now tell us how you're going to implement uh, the land plan and how it's going to begin and how we're going to do it. And I got then I'll have a question. What, what did I win? The, well, we're going to do it your way. So we're going to we're going to now um, uh, administer Ian's land plan for the United States of America and anywhere else that he can uh, put it into effect. So what do we do with our land now here? He's referring to his conversation with us last night that people listening tonight tonight may not have heard, where he asked, "How you know we have all this land that belongs to the federal government? What's the most moral way of using it?" Okay, let's talk about that. We can do that. Six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. If you want to join in, you can. This is Free Talk Live. Talk live moments remain. Maybe enough time for you if you're already on the line. If you're not, well, we'll have time for you tomorrow. You'll have to call in then because our phones are actually loaded up right now. 
with you in the studio tonight. It's Ian, Bonnie, and Aria. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts coming up here. And also want to remind you about our social media site. We've talked a lot about our chat server tonight. You also need to know about social.freetalklive.com. It is a place where you can go. And it's a lot like Twitter, uh, which Twitter sucks because it's a centrally controlled platform by a mega big tech corporation. Ours is running on what's called Mastodon, which is an open source, polycentric, self-hosted piece of software that's federated. So it connects to other Mastodon servers, of which there are thousands uh, on the Internet. So this basically can't be taken down by some sort of, you know, big tech admin. Uh, So you can basically say whatever you want to say over on our website, which is social.freetalklive.com. Check it out. I like it. It's an awesome piece of software. I'm impressed. I want to get a lot of people there who aren't necessarily libertarians for some actual free speech to, to, you know, actually grow and take hold. Absolutely. Yeah. You do not have to be a libertarian to join social.freetalklive.com. You just have to be somebody looking for some more freedom as far as how to express yourself. Uh, That's social.freetalklive.com. One of the coolest things about it is that there are different apps. Because it's open source, anybody who's got the programming chops that wants to make an app for this, they can just make an app for it. You don't have to ask anyone's permission. I use one called Tusky. I use Tusky as well. Some people say Tusky is like pro-censorship on some sites or whatever. I don't know if that's true. It's got some... Well, they can't censor my content at social.freetalklive.com so no, I care. They could try to make it so like this the their app doesn't connect to that site mm, or something like that, but then I would just find a new app. Yeah. That's the neat thing about it is there's a, there's literally dozens of apps out there across different platforms. So if there's one app that isn't, you know, doesn't have the feel that you like, doesn't have the look that you like, try a different one. Try a different one until you find one that you like. We tried four different apps here. Uh, on just the Windows computer here in the studio. I've got one on uh, my Linux computer, which is great. So check it out, social.freetalklive.com. Let's go to your calls and thoughts. He is anarcho-republican. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry, anarcho-republican. We had David on. I gotta bring, I've got to play fair. i got to bring David back. I forgot there. So, David, you wanted to talk about land. Uh, you wanted to talk about divvying up the government property. Is that right, the federal government land? Well, I'm, I'm starting it by just asking you to present uh, your plan. If we if we were to say, okay, Ian's right, let's do what Ian says. So what would Ian say? What do we do now? Well, first of all, I don't want to tell anybody what to do, but if you want some ideas as to how the federal government can get from here, which is them owning like, what is it, two-thirds of the land west of the Mississippi or something like that, to there, which would be them owning nothing and not existing anymore, uh, then there, there tends to be like two main things. Uh, lines of thought on this. One of them is that the federal government should auction the land off to the highest bidder. No, that only benefits the wealthy. I, right. I don't tend to to agree with that particular one. I'm just li- I'm just listening. What you know? What are the options out there? Um, and another one is that people should just be able to homestead the open land, and just whoever gets to it first and uh, sets you know stakes their claim in whatever way is appropriate. I don't know what that would look like exactly. Well, that's how it, wor- it that's how it worked before the federal government claimed all of the land, and it seemed to work just fine. Not for the Native Americans, granted, but True. that's less of an issue today than it was in the 1800s. Well, that's not exactly how the homesteading worked. You couldn't just go and homestead anything that you wanted to. You had to homestead homestead what was open to homesteading, and there was a limit on what you could take. You couldn't go out there and say, okay, it's all mine. We're talking about, well, that was with the government. 
we're talking about without government, right? Well, you couldn't say it was all yours because you had to homestead. You had to actually do some improvement upon the land. You had to make some effort, put some work, some blood. Certainly the claim of ownership has to be reasonable. Like if somebody just landed on a random planet one day and said, I'm claiming this entire planet is going to be mine and no one can say otherwise. And I was here first. So therefore I have the moral right to claim to it. Define reasonable. Well, you have to be able to to. defend your land. Like if somebody takes part of it, then somebody takes part of it. I don't know. That's true. It's important to be able to, you know, lay claim and stake that claim and keep that claim staked, which means the ability to use defensive force against somebody. So so as long as I raise, so as long as I raise a bigger army than any of the rest of you, I can have it all. Good luck. If it doesn't already belong to someone else, sure. So okay, so that's acceptable. So what you're saying is that we can have warlords. No, I'm not saying I support because that. I wouldn't move to the territory that you were the warlord of. You could have warlords somewhere what? else, or be a warlord well, somewhere not, else. You're not going to move to my territory because I'm not going to let let you, and I'm going to come and move you off of yours and take yours oh, too. Oh, so you move from defending property to jumping straight <laughs> to aggressing against people. I think there's a disconnect here between you not understanding defending and aggressing. Yeah, and look, I mean, in your little fantasy world, David, you may be able to raise a big army, but then there's the reality of the fact that you're going to have to pay them somehow, and if you want to actually send your big army against other people who also are going to have defensive uh, people that they can hire to defend their property... Then you're gonna to have to pay that army even more because if the uh, if your soldiers are actually facing imminent death, they're going to either want to go home or they're going to want to get paid a lot more money than what uh, you've been paying them. And so, what makes you think fat Americans want to go from what their lives are like now to like living under a warlord? Like, I think that they would rather do something more civil. Thank you, David, for the call tonight. Let's go to Anarcho Republican in Montana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how you doing tonight, Aaron? Anyway, I was just thinking about this China thing with the Uyghurs, and uh, yeah. actually they persecute all the religious people. You think think about it, they persecuted the Buddhists. They actually persecute Christians, too. It's yeah. a little known yep. fact. That That's true. If you're not part of the centralized, uh, the communist church, the communist party wants to control the, the church, so it wants to decide who your preacher is, who your bishop is. But anyway, it's interesting the way that things flip so quickly, because under Trump, East Asia was the enemy, but now under Biden, all of a sudden, East Asia is the ally, and Eurasia is the enemy. And so George Orwell, was, George Orwell was very prophetic. And, you know, we also just went through about three hours hate against Donald Trump, you know? Wow, so there's, they have a way of keeping us kind of off our, our footing. One of the things you said that I thought was kind of interesting, though, you said there was more gun control in the Democrats. Are you, how far back are you going? Because... We got a lot of gun control under Bill Clinton, and we got a lot of war under George W. Bush. We got Good a point. lot of war under George W. Bush, yes, but it escalated exponentially under Barack Obama. As far as gun control under Bill Clinton, dude, I don't have any idea. I was too busy playing outside had, and playing a, video we games had an and stuff year, then. Uh, We had an eight-year semi-automatic weapons ban that he put in. We also had stuff like Bosnia both. and Kuwait and stuff like that, though, so... Yeah. Well, anyway, I just wondered what you meant by that. It was an interesting comment, but I think maybe sometimes what happens is it depends on how much power they have in Congress, too. And right now, Biden's got, he's pretty powerful. We'll so, anyway, see. Anyway, guys, uh, have a good evening. Thanks, Anarcho Republican. I appreciate it, man. 
603-283-6160. Since he brought us back to it here, uh, let me just give you the remainder of Biden's comments, at least as highlighted by the New York Post from his commentary at a CNN town hall last night, saying that he is, quote, not going to speak out against, unquote, the Chinese Party Chinese Communist Party's belligerent actions in Hong Kong against the Uyghurs or in Taiwan, uh, Taiwan, I don't know why I keep saying Taiwan, Uh, quote, I point out to him, no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect the values of the United States, said Biden. And he said further, quote, and so the idea that I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in Western mountains of China and Taiwan, trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. Z gets it. Can you repeat all of that for me, please? It, it's hard. It's hard to really make heads or tails sometimes of what he's trying to say. It sounded like what he was saying is that he's not going to he, speak out against. He it. understands having to wipe out anyone who doesn't stand behind you. That's what it sounds like. I'll like say it he again. understands. You know, the American president has to be at the forefront. He has to have the people backing him, and if they're not, that they have to be put to death and put in counts. He said further, "quote Culturally, there are different norms that each country and their leaders are expected to follow." He continued. Now, as the point here, the post here at the New York Post points out, the norms in China, as shown in a recent BBC News expose, include systemic torture and rape occurring in the Uyghur concentration camps. Following the release, because there's always good things that happen in concentration camps. Uh, Following the recent release of the BBC report, China banned the news outlet in its territory. Asked during the town hall whether there should be repercussions for the CCP over the genocide, Biden sidestepped the question, saying the U.S. would, quote, reassert our role as spokespersons for human rights at the U.N. and other agencies. Well, there will be repercussions for China, and Z knows that. What I'm doing is making it clear that we, in fact, are going to continue to reassert our role as spokespersons for the U.N. or at the U.N. Asked if China was not already too powerful to be stopped from its appalling human rights practices, Biden expressed confidence that human rights would win the day. So there you go. See you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. Your comments will be welcome then. As you may recall, we last left Jonathan Gullible on a remote Pacific island after his boat was blown far off course by a terrific storm. Eager to learn more about the island, he wandered into a nearby town where he found a red brick building and a scholarly-looking gentleman. Speaking to the gentleman, Jonathan inquired, Good day, sir. Good day. Would you mind telling me what you do on this island? I'd be pleased to explain anything you wish to learn. You see, I am a teacher. How marvelous. And what is it that you teach? I teach about the virtues of freedom. I show my students how people throughout history have always sought freedom and how fortunate it is that we now live in a free island. That sounds wonderful. The students and their parents must be thrilled to hear your words of wisdom. Few are thrilled and some are downright resentful. They are still so young and foolish. We must hire truant officers to compel them to come at the appointed hours. Too much resistance and we will send these young people to a special zoo. Surely the parents support your noble ideals? The parents must pay my salary and they must encourage their children to come to my classes or they too will be sent to the zoo. Ah, there is so little appreciation for the study of freedom these days. So ends another bizarre episode in the life of Jonathan Gullible. Build freedom with laughter. Join the community, access free media clips and more. Or get your free PDF copy of the book, 
go to jonathangullible.com now. jonathangullible.com So the protection of life, liberty, and property is, is what the Free State Project is all about. But it's an, it's an effort to move 20,000 people who understand. It's about demonstrating to the entire country. That, yeah, we can have a free market, a truly free market. Making it just a freer, great place to live. It's the world's largest voluntarist, libertarian community, and it's, it's only getting bigger. That's amazing, to be able to move to a place where other people like passionately believe in being free and independent. What the Free State Project is managing to do, though, is to put their money where their mouth is. It's physically getting up across the country and saying, let's go someplace and let's demonstrate the power of these ideas. There's a lot of kind of philosophy that surrounds liberty. There's a lot of thinking about it and talking about it. But here in New Hampshire, people are doing it. 101 Reasons Liberty Lives in New Hampshire, a documentary by Free State Project Early Movers. Watch it free at 101reasonsfilm.com, 101reasonsfilm.com. Attention gardeners, if you need to grow nutritionally dense vegetables or medicinal herbs this year, listen, because a bioactive superfood for plants is now available. This all-natural superfood for plants is so effective at producing maximum plant growth in minimum time that it almost forces plants to grow, even under the worst light and soil conditions. It's called Proto-Grow, and it's truly remarkable. Vegetables grow faster and contain more bioavailable vitamins and trace minerals. Plants that rarely bloom will flower constantly. Sickly plants become vibrantly alive. Medicinal herbs become super potent. Flowers become more vivid right before your very eyes. Proto-Grow also improves the taste quality of all your garden vegetables. That's because it's more than just an all-natural superfood for plants. It's a proprietary blend of bioactive sea nutrients that contain the basic building blocks of life itself, which is why Proto-Grow even renews your garden by increasing the microorganisms in the soil. Learn more at growlikecrazy.com. That's growlikecrazy.com. Get special pricing for network listeners right now at growlikecrazy.com. 